0: Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland.
1: And I'm Sandra Smith.
0: And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is.
1: In this episode, we explore the spiritual dimensions of type 9,
2: unlived life uh, takes more energy than lived life.
0: Well, okay, Sandra, here we go again.
1: I'm so (laughs) delighted about it. Hi, Chris.
0: Hey there.
1: Yeah. These podcasts have been fun uh, to engage with you.
0: It's been great. Yeah, I've learned a lot. Absolutely. I'm excited that uh, we have Guy Sales with us today as we learn some about the spiritual dimensions of type nine.
1: Yes, me too.
0: So, as we begin, I want to invite our listeners to, uh, as we always do, to come to this time uh, opening all three of our brains for a greater capacity to be present to and to take in this information. So I invite you to uh, be grounded in presence, in body, open your heart and come with a curious mind. And we invite all of us, uh, all of us nines and all of us who have that inner type nine in us uh, to listen in, that's all of us. So let's take a deep breath.
1: Type nine. The holy virtue of this type is right action. That doesn't mean social justice. It means remembering the self. Now this is a uh, the opposite of the vice, which is slothfulness, you may recall from an earlier podcast, where there's a laziness toward the self only. It's not that nines are lazy, but there's a laziness toward the self which results in self-forgetting, but in right action and self-remembering, nines have an alive heart. They show up, they claim themselves, and it's almost like this is the narrow gate or the entry point into the enlightened spiritual perspective of nine, which is holy love. Holy love is this divine union of a kind that can only occur in self-remembering, and it starts with love of self. So if I can love myself, then it naturally flows to others. It's true for all of us. So holy love as the enlightened spiritual perspective, and the virtue, I'm just going to say self-remembering. So we'll hear more about this virtue and enlightened spiritual perspective from Guy Sales, our guest today. Thank you for being with us, Guy. Glad to be here. Yeah. So Guy has served as pastor for over 30 years, most recently at First Baptist Church in Asheville. He's currently assistant professor of religion at Mars Hill University, and is an adjunct faculty member at the Divinity School of Gardner-Webb, also a consultant with the Center for Healthy Churches, and a member of the Board of Directors of the Baptist Center for Ethics. You sound like a busy man, Guy. (laughs) I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) You're busy. He's married to Anita Plunkett-Sales, also an ordained Baptist minister, and they have two grown children. His theological education includes a doctor of ministry from Candler School of Theology. So all three of us here today (laughs) are grads of Candler School of Theology at Emory. And Guy has a blog um, on the intersection So again, welcome, Guy. Thank you.
0: I'm glad to be here. Glad you're here, Guy. Thank you. Yeah. We want to begin by uh, reading this quote from Mark Nepo. Unconditional love is not so much about how we receive and endure each other, as it is about the deep vow to never, under any conditions, stop bringing the flawed truth of who we are to each other. So, Guy, what about that resonates with you as you inhabit this type nine uh, habits and patterns of life?
2: When I, when I read that quote, um, I thought how easy it is for me as a, as a nine to think that um, unconditional love is about that, uh, how we receive and endure mm-hmm. each other because my orientation tends to be toward what other people... Uh, want and need and and my conviction is that we all want and need unconditional love sure but it's been a, a growing edge for me to learn uh that other people are more likely to show up if i show up mm. and showing up mm. means uh bringing my the only self i have <laughs> which is that <laughs> which is that flawed self right so right. uh it, it's it's one of those things that is an is a ongoing journey for me to learn that there is no way to separate love of self, love of God, mm-hmm. love of neighbor. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the first time I heard um, that Wayne Oates had said many of Jesus' commandments are indeed commandments, but they're also simply statements of fact. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus said, you shall love others as you love yourself, that he was st- saying something true. Which is, you can only love others as you love yourself, mm-hmm. and you will love others about the way, in about the same way that you love yourself. Mm-hmm. So,
0: um, beautiful. Guy, what helps you? You talked about show up fully. What mm-hmm. helps you do that in that, in that flawed self? Or you know, what, what helps you support that?
2: A couple things uh, occur to me kind of at the beginning, and, and one is that I need time to be quiet, uh, to be still. Some of that has to do with my introverted (laughs) nature, but, but some of it has to do with my realization that the only way I'm going to remember myself to remember to bring myself is if I take time to get back in touch with that self, to listen Mm -hmm. to that self and to remember what it is I feel I'm, called or summoned or invited to be about mm-hmm. in the world and that can only happen for me uh with some silence to mm. to remember
0: I've heard nines say that when they're with other people, that because their attention goes to others, mm-hmm. that it can be difficult to do that self-remembering. So I hear you saying that, that pulling away helps you, supports it, that. It
2: does help me with that. And and sometimes what I do, not always, but sometimes what I find myself doing in those moments of quietness is sorting back through the interactions I've had mm. uh, with other people to sort of figure out wh- where was I mm. in, in that. yeah. Uh, and was I present or not, right. fully present right. or not, or as fully present as we can be? Sure. Um,
1: in, in that moment, how do you discern whether you're sort of numbed out or present? What tells you?
2: It, you mean when yeah. I reflect in on interactions? Mo- in the moment, yeah. yeah.
1: In the moment.
2: Yeah. Uh, um, a couple things again. One is, I. It, it's an odd sense of, well it was odd until I learned about this type, an odd sense of uh, disembodiment, mm. you know, mm. that that um, my mind might be there, even my intuition might be there, but part of me has left the room. Mm. Um, and, and then there's also, uh, if I'm swallowing what I actually think, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not bringing what I have to bring to a conversation, because... I don't want the conflict or disagreement or uh, just tension. You know, mm-hmm. uh, then that's a sign that I haven't shown up
1: fully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you say that your energy rises when you show up? Do you have more energy? Have you noticed that?
2: Well, now that you ask me, yes, I do mm-hmm. have more energy uh, when I when I show up. Uh, otherwise, uh, otherwise, there's a tendency to be. Um, the wrong kind of still.
1: Ooh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say more about that, the wrong kind of still.
2: Well, it, it, it's partly that, that silencing my own voice, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also partly the kind of, at least for me, the disengagement that I signal by, you know, uh, making myself smaller,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, pulling back from people, Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, physically mm-hmm. uh, pulling back from people as well as uh, emotionally, and maybe uh, finding a place to to be distant not not completely disengaged from the conversation, but distant enough f- from it that I don't feel like I have to be at the center of it somehow, mm-hmm. or that my ideas don't have to be at the center of it.
1: You know, it takes it takes energy to swallow our thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It takes energy. To not show up.
0: Yeah. To be small. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, I'm slow coming to the idea that unlived life uh, takes more energy than lived life.
0: Mm-hmm. You've talked about um, quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know for you if you would call that a spiritual practice, uh, that may be one, but i love to hear what you've found uh, in terms of spiritual practices that help you remember yourself, help you uh, be grounded. Um. Well, the quiet and stillness is, mm. is yeah. one of them. Yeah. Um,
2: uh, for me, walking has become uh, a spiritual practice. I, I sometimes walk my way back into, <laughs> into myself or into mm. uh, awareness. And... Uh, Again, when I, when I learned that nines are body types, uh, that didn't come as much of a surprise to me because I had been walking my way uh, into groundedness or or back into collection, you know, a recollection of myself mm. for mm. a long time. When I was pastor at First Baptist uh, in downtown Asheville, uh, just intuitively I would, I would think, I've had enough mm. for now, and I'd go out and walk for... 20 or 30 minutes around downtown it it had the advantage of helping me learn about downtown and meet people downtown but it was also a way to walk my way back into some sense of being centered and uh, I still do that uh, either in town or in the woods or
0: right or wherever and what is that when you walk yourself back what does that do how does that work I don't know you know yeah say more about that
2: uh, I feel freer to think about what's going on with me mm-hmm. mm. uh, when I'm on the move <laughs> mm-hmm. and not likely to have other than a, a chance or periodic encounter with someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there is something about so, sometimes um, if I'm partic- feeling particularly scattered or anxious or whatever, uh, I will time... Uh, a prayer of some kind to my steps or Mm. to my breath or Mm. both. Mm. Uh, Sometimes the Jesus prayer, sometimes uh, something else that, you know, a word or a phrase that has uh, resonance for me at that particular time. But Mm. I'll try to time those to my breath and to my steps and try to get those synced up somehow. And and paying attention to that Mm. uh, brings me back into myself. That's lovely. Mm.
1: We hear from a lot of nines that they almost have to be alone to get their boundaries mm-hmm. back in place. Mm-hmm. So there's no leakage or merging right. with another yeah. agenda, mm-hmm. and you come home to your own heart's desires. Right. So right. this alone time and physical exercise right. both seem to be pretty crucial for nines to clear the mind.
2: Yeah, they are for me, that's mm-hmm. for sure, uh, both, the, the physical activity and the time of quiet.
1: hmm um. And of course, merging with others' agenda is self-forgetting. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sandra, you mentioned the word uh, cl- clearing the mind. It mm. com- the word that comes from me is clarity. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the, it's, it can be one of the challenges of, of nines and also right. one of the incredible gifts. Because mm-hmm. I've noticed when, when nines come to clarity... It is full-on clarity, mm. and then action comes. Is that Have you found that to be true?
2: Yeah, that's interesting that you describe it that way. I don't know that I have mm. described it that way, but I have, I have often said of myself, it can take me forever, feels like forever, uh, to get to a place where I make a decision that sticks. Mm-hmm. But once I do the change happens not automatically because I've been laboring over it all that time, but it gets implemented pretty quickly then at that point, you know. So getting to the place where I know this is what I need to do uh, takes a while sometimes. But when I do, uh, the action follows pretty quickly.
1: Thanks for saying it that way. Yeah, sure, Yeah, and we can trust that, Mm -hmm. you know. As Chris said, boy, you have clarity when it's there. Yeah. We trust that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And right. that's that virtue of, of, I think, part of how I describe that virtue of right action. Yeah. yeah. There's sort of coming to clarity and then, okay, I'm, yeah. now I'm moving forward. It's right, like, yep. Right, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's um, th- I really do appreciate your n- naming it that way because I've had that experience mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: You you talk about the quiet and still as a way of coming home to self and I know that often for body types, eights, nines, and ones, the the via negativa or the emptying Mm -hmm. is really helpful. I don't know if that's been a part of your practice, but to allow breath and felt sense Mm -hmm. so that you really naturally land so fully in your body. Mm -hmm. um, Do you find that that that's helpful, just emptying?
2: It really is helpful. And and I... um, (laughs) When I was still in the pastorate, I still do it some because of, with my teaching interactions with students and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, it's necessary. But especially when I was still in the pastorate, I would sometimes imagine myself unplugging the probes uh, from, from interactions I'd had oh, during boy. the day, some of which were, you know, slight boundary crossings or whatever, right. you know, where people had kind of pushed in beyond where I mm-hmm. wanted them to be, mm-hmm. or it was just too much, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and I, I
0: would imagine myself unplugging the probe. Wow. Um, That's a powerful us, word too probe, yeah. right? Like it's, it's, it's past, as you said, passing a boundary, right? exactly right? It's like intruding yeah. in on you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it was important for me to say, okay, I've reached the end of this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to unplug to the extent that I can. Right
0: guy what about uh you know you've been in ministry for a long time and and preach and think and read about god or the divine Um, what are some healing images of the divine that have been uh uh, supportive and, and nurturing for you, or challenging perhaps, R- even. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I was uh, challenged for a long time, it, uh, and before I knew that it was okay to be challenged <laughs> uh, about this image of God as a uh, father. That mm-hmm. was a difficult relationship for me, my relationship with my father, uh, and, and in fact, with my mother, too. So those parental images mm-hmm. have not been particularly helpful. Uh, to me. Yeah. And it took me a while to understand that there are, as Brian Wren said, many names. We can bring many mm-hmm. names yes. uh, to our experience of God. And once I got that, that that, that was not only okay, but an invitation. Uh, images uh, like God as a poet or God as a craftsperson, mm-hmm. uh, a potter, mm-hmm. uh, a weaver, uh, a maker... A baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, those. Uh, as I'm saying it, I'm realizing those are all very physically engaged images of God. Um, those have been really meaningful to me, mm-hmm. and um, and Jesus is sort of at the center of the way I experience God and the way I understand God. Certainly not in the. Uh, I hope not in a narrow sense, mm-hmm. but so that human face of God as John Robinson called Jesus, uh, the, the whole idea of incarnation, you know, again, this in meat, in flesh, in body experience of God. uh, those are all meaningful to me. Uh Um, I had Pentecostal grandparents, so I can resonate the images of the spirit <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as well
1: too. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I am yeah. struck as you say that, that the, 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 the enfleshed, the embodied, the, right. the, the God who shapes and mm-hmm. that that's, those are important to you. And I, uh, you know, maybe not every, every body type wouldn't be that way, but I am struck by the, the connection potentially. R-
2: really uh, important for me. And uh, since I'm, not always engaged in preaching or teaching on a Sunday these days. I have increasingly gravitated toward uh, the Episcopal Church, primarily because of the intentional sacramentality. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the physical bearers of the divine mm. uh, that I experience there. Yeah. So,
1: I'm curious about nature's role, mm. uh, the natural world in your spiritual life? Because nines typically yearn for Mm. that. Uh,
2: I try to get outside as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually, uh, I mean, I'm so grateful to live in in these mountains uh, because I can get out uh, pretty quickly, uh, get out and get up Mm -hmm. in the mountains and in the trees. And that's... uh, really important to me, and rivers are important to me. Mm. Uh, Rivers are, um, I'm not quite sure yet what all the allure of that is, but being by a river or up on top of a mountain or just in the trees, that doesn't have to be a spectacular view, Mm. but just being uh, um, among the trees Mm -hmm. is really important to me. I was walking on the um, mountain to sea trail uh, a few weeks ago, and a very large oak tree had been broken. I'm not quite sure how, but it had been broken at about seven feet uh, from the ground. And so the huge mass of the tree was lying in one direction, and about six or seven feet of the trunk, I would now call it, was still there, and the, and the broken part of the tree was still attached. And I, I, This was uncharacteristic of me, but I'm so glad I did it. I kind of went and stood in, in the place where the broken-off tree had left a... Uh, a place, and I, I said to the old tree, uh, What's it like mm. to have been strong for so long and now broken?
1: Mm. a particular invitation to grow spiritually at this point?
2: What a great question, Sandra. Um, for, well, this is this is growing spiritually and vocationally sort of mixed in together. I don't know that I can tease them out, but for a long time I've uh, felt this yearning to write, uh, and, and to write, Uh, sort of not for hire, not, not according to specification, Mm. you know, not because there's a sermon to preach or someone has asked me to write a a lesson or Mm. an article or something, but to write out of my own voice. And that's been the challenge is to ask, well, what is my voice? Right. As opposed to the voice that has accommodated itself, not, not in a a craven way, mm-hmm. but accommodated itself to the needs of those who are going to read and hear. Mm. Uh, what would it be like simply to write m- m- my life, my, my voice? Uh, so that feels like both a vocational invitation and a spiritual invitation because it requires this continual getting beneath. I mean, I'm so practiced mm. at, at saying what people need. Right, mm-hmm. um, but the, the deeper question for me now is, what is it I need to say? Uh, quite apart from who who may or may not ever read it or hear it or yeah. care about it or agree with it or find it difficult or you know all those outward oriented questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you you shifted as you said that the language of not what do people need to hear, right? But what do I need to say? Yeah, and it comes back to to self, right? and right. that's the growth of the nine right is right. saying what's important to me who am i
2: right yeah, yeah. and that that's the challenge for me right yeah. now I, I feel this challenge in particular in that in that place mm-hmm.
1: uh-huh. it, it's like you're riding and walking mm. your way toward love
2: oh that's a beautiful way to put it sandra i, I agree i think mm-hmm. that's right yeah yeah and, and I think that that love of self, that remembering self, um, is the deep uh, challenge of thinking my voice, my voice has anything to contribute. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that, yeah. that there could be something worthy just on its own, quite apart from what other people need. And and what if that's what they need more than what I thought they needed? (laughs) Mm, What if? What if?
1: (laughs) You know, you've just in in this community and many others, Guy. You know, you say people have yearned to hear a word from you, Mm. and you've you've spoken with such wisdom over the years, and I appreciate your honesty in speaking to what do I want to say? Yeah. And Mm. there's a blind spot for type nine, which is both and, Mm. you know? Mm. So what you want to say is probably what I want to hear.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah. And I think the... The ori- where do I start is an important question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That what you're saying, Sandra, is if I start with what do I need to say, trusting right. that it's what people need to hear. Yeah. but not starting with what do people need to hear. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that and that's the challenge, uh, Chris, is to start in a different place, mm-hmm. uh, because you know when I describe it as I have preached or written with other people's needs in view. It's not like I've said things I don't believe right, of course. because of their need. Of course. But I started there. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. sort of backed in <laughs> to mm-hmm. sure. to what I most want to say or paced it in a way that I I don't want to have to pace it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You yeah. know.
2: And pacing it's part of caring for a congregation. So I'm in a different I'm in a different place now.
1: It's almost like what are you ready to hear?
2: Right. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good.
1: Mhm. You know, we read in the material and hear a lot from nines this this I would call it a dilemma mm. of am I really worthy of unconditional love? Mm. It's a type that can easily offer a loving presence, mm. but often has difficulty believing that they too are unconditionally loved. And yet, there it is. The enlightened spiritual perspective mm. is holy love. Mm. It's this unconditional love. Mm. It's almost like nines at the top of the Enneagram. When you all get it, we can all go, hallelujah. <laughs> yes, you know, yes. you, yeah. There's a waking up of all of yeah. us, of course. you know The Enneagram isn't flat. It's a hologram. And so when, mm. when you get it, I get some light and yeah. vice versa.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm remembering that it, it was three years ago this week on... Uh, Baptism of the Lord Sunday that I finished my work at First Baptist Church Asheville, mm-hmm. and I intentionally chose that day because I had come to the understanding in the year before that that if if I were go, if I were going to be remembered for anything there for some, whatever length of time people's memories last, uh, I hoped it would be for this baptismal affirmation that I said over and over again, which is you're a child of God. God takes great delight in you. And God is giving you everything you need to live the life God is calling you to live. And I realized, and I told the folks at First Baptist that day, I've been saying this over and over because it's what I need to hear. I'm I'm telling you the news I need to hear.
0: Mm.
2: which is about that sort of, you're lovable. <laughs>
1: you're, you're lovable. You're That's, someone
2: in whom God takes delight. Delight. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like looping back to the Nepo quote, not just enduring. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's been a
0: gift to yeah. be with thank you. Yeah, thank you. It has been for me
2: too. Mm-hmm. Thank
0: you. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to offer this prayer, uh, Guy, for you and for all of mm-hmm. the the nines that we love out in the world. Um, so here, here we go. One who sees me and knows me. I thank you for giving me the gift of gentleness, and a profound tranquility of heart. Help me to own my own deepest feelings, without losing my inner peace, and to appreciate my own importance without ever selling myself short. Show me the gift of true intimacy that comes when I risk showing up fully with others and when I'm present to any conflicts that arise. Give me the grace to not forget myself and to know beyond a doubt that I matter and that I'm loved unconditionally. Thank you. Beautiful.
1: Mm. Thank you, Chris. Mm -hmm. With heartfelt gratitude, I'm Sandra.
0: And I'm Chris.
1: And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is.
0: We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris who composed our theme music and for Toby Becker who provided graphic design.
1: Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner who provided recording space and to the Narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests.
0: We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book.
1: In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.